3: This week in our Business Builder segment, Michael and I will be talking about why it is so important to know what your ideal client wants before you create new programs. That's a bit later, but first up, it's our success interview. Today, we're talking with nationally recognized business owner, best-selling author, and regular TV contributor, Dr. Carol Parker Walsh. Through her company, Evolve Image Consulting, Carol helps women on the brink of change move to the next level of success by taking hold of their authentic essence, their confidence, and their appearance. Carol has also has many great tips that she's going to share with us today, and I'm really excited for our conversation. Welcome to the show, Carol.
4: Thank you for having me. Thank you.
3: I love these conversations and learning from our experts. And I'd love to start the conversation by asking you to share with our listeners a little bit about your business, how you started it, how it's evolved over time so that they can learn from what you've experienced.
4: Absolutely. Well, my um, business really focuses on the individual. It's it's one of the key things that I love to do to help um, entrepreneurs, professionals, business owners to really step into their power and their significance. I think if I were to give a general summation about what I do, that's what it's really about. Um, Mm -hmm. I've been doing this business uh, for, for quite a while. This iteration of the business happened about four years ago I, um, one of the things that I did for several years in, um, a previous entrepreneurial uh, venture where I did a consulting practice, I had, I did a lot of organizational consulting. So, a lot of team development, um, a lot of work, uh, train, work group training, a lot of working with, Um, leadership within the organization to navigate the system and to help it function better as an organizational system. Mm -hmm. And what I found was, even though I am trained in that, you know, a lot of my, I have a master's degree in that, I've done that work for several, several years. um, What I found that I had more interest in was working with individuals and working with them both in and outside of the organizational setting. And I think it started back when I was an attorney and I did employment litigation um, You know, just always being interested in individuals and their relationship to their businesses, um, how they work within the business, um, how they attract the people into their business, how they Mm -hmm. see themselves um, in different phases and stages of their own business. So my interest Mm -hmm. has always been kind of varied in that regard, but in my current iteration um, in in Evolved Image, I really work with that individual and helping them move into their significance.
3: So, that's interesting. So, how did you make the shift? Because you've got a lot of education, a lot of experience, and this is a very different field from what you had been doing, you know, uh-huh. in, in previously.
4: Yes, yes. I get that question a lot. <laughs> well, I think um, for me, when I moved into my doctoral studies, I started focusing a lot on That individual. I mean, my focus in that was on human development, is what my my doctorate is in, and and really understanding, particularly, identity development and how people form a sense of self and self worth Mm -hmm. and get their sense of confidence and antithesis of so many other noise around us you know, and, and you know, how people are supposed to look or dress or show up or act and these ideas of power um, from both a feminine and masculine perspective and, you know, what that means and how does it need to show up and own that sense of power in your space as you're trying to advance and motivate yourself mm-hmm. in um, an organizational um, setting. So that was really what I was studying and what really I was fascinated with because, You know, I think most people. I may be wrong, but I do think most people who go and get a doctorate degree may have some personal interest that they Mm -hmm. are trying to explore. And I think, as I progressed myself in my own uh, career as an attorney, and then you know, as a as a a director in organizations and things of that nature, I've always um, been curious about working as a feminine and a masculine. Spaces and what mm-hmm. it meant to own my power and have my own significance. So I think that started the pattern and um, the quest to understand those types of things. But what really led me to what I do now is because I was looking at those issues of identity development, uh, particularly as they related to women, and um, our sense of self and confidence. I found myself really wanting to work more closely with that. And the other thing through my studies, what I understood was, the appearance and how we see ourselves and how we project ourselves, you know, has a tremendous influence and um, um, really dictates who we are internally. Mm-hmm. And we can utilize our appearance and utilize the things that we wear, for example, as a way to either leverage and uplift ourselves and our internal Feelings of confidence and self-worth or what we're wearing can actually bring us down and keep us submerged in a more negative and and unflattering space in both our Mm -hmm. head and in our life. And so for me, what I do in my work is teach people how to leverage their clothing, how to utilize what they wear, how to utilize those things that show up externally to support what needs to take place internally. So to use it to reinforce confidence, to reinforce positiveness, to reaffirm power, to reaffirm um, significance, and the ability to be able to walk into a space, to walk into a client sitting uh, uh, situation or setting, or even in the workplace as a professional, and really own your space in that. So if you're going for a promotion, or if you're trying to land a deal, or you're trying to negotiate something with a client, that you can do it from a space of confidence, of self-awareness, of self-worth, and of value to know that you're offering something of of value and significance to the person that you're sharing it with. Mm -hmm. So for me, it didn't feel like that much of a transition, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but I could see from the external, the, the confusion that people think is that all I do is maybe dress people, and that is probably a percentage, one percentage of what I may do in my work when I work with my clients yeah you know the the
3: one thing that I think about with um when you're talking about owning your power and showing up, I think so often as women, we think about how we look externally, and we forget about how important our message is and what we have to share. I think for Mm -hmm. me, one of the biggest things was when I started doing more and speaking more and and really being up front and center was really realizing that it wasn't about me. It was about the message I had and who I was getting it out to. And when I shifted that thinking within myself, it made it so much um, less stressful and I got so much more confidence in what I was doing because it was about the people I was serving, not about me.
4: You know, and that is so true. And, and a lot of times we can't get out of our own way and out of our mm-hmm. own head in order to be able to do that. And what I do is to help people to really own, you know, to really feel comfortable, right? When mm-hmm. you feel comfortable and confident in yourself, when you can remove the fear of, what do I look like? How am I showing up? Is this the right thing? Am I, you know, are pe- what are people thinking when they look upon me? When you can remove all of that out of the way and help people to just show up in a way that feels authentic to who they are, then mm-hmm. they can then focus on what they're there for, which is to really serve the people in front of them. You mm-hmm. know, that's the whole idea to share your gifts and your passion with the world. But we have to move out of our, out of, out of our own way to make that happen. And I feel the work that I do helps people to do that right, to come into a sense of strength and comfortability so that they can feel confident enough to share what they have to share and not be so mired in what's going on in their head and what people are thinking and, and so on and so forth. I, I mm-hmm. absolutely agree with that.
3: Because yeah, we get really good about telling stories in our head. Um, oh, yeah. So <laughs> w- what's the the number one mistake that um, women make when it comes to their appearance and, and what they're they're doing?
4: You know, the number one mistake people make is trying to look like something that's not them. They have Mm -hmm. a tendency, we have a tendency to look externally for resources Mm -hmm. or for information, and then we try to adapt accordingly, as opposed to starting inwardly and saying, well, what really represents me? right? Mm-hmm. We, we we don't think that way and then because we have these ideas of what it means to be professional, what that looks like or what it means to mm-hmm. be casual, what that looks like and, you know, so we tend to go for these external messages that help to define ourselves as opposed to starting within and letting that be the determination of what is appropriate for me, right? Because professional dress for one doesn't mean the same for the other. Nor does casual for some, you know, doesn't mean the same for the other. So we have to start internally, and I think that's the biggest mistake because we're fed so much information, right? We get the magazines and what people are wearing, and you have these shows, what not to wear, and so on and so forth. And we use that as the litmus test for knowing what what we should or shouldn't wear, and that's not where it should really begin.
3: It's interesting because, you know, we just – and that's where we connected, was at the e Network International Conference. And mm-hmm. it was interesting because we had, prior to the conference, we had managing director training. And they said, what should I wear? So I said, business casual. For me, at my age and stage, that has a very distinct meaning, but what I'm finding, and it's it's an opportunity for me, is to make sure that I'm defining that better because there was a whole variety of dress in the room depending (laughs) on age and stage and experience. You know, we're we're coming from a a corporate background. When you say that, it's everybody knows what it is. So it's an opportunity for me and probably others (laughs)
4: Yeah, that's true. So absent a dress code, you definitely can run the gamut. And, you know, for me, what that exactly. So what that means for you is something very different for another. But it's important for people to start from that space that makes them feel comfortable and to move into that space to be able to work in a manner that they're not, again, as you said earlier, thinking about, oh, what are people thinking of me, and actually be, be ready and present in that space. Mm -hmm. You know, and so it does, you know, for people who, you know, when I do work with corporations around this whole idea of what should people wear, you know, I help them to be very clear about giving examples of what that looks like as opposed to just setting a standard of business casual, right? Because, Mm -hmm. as you said, for age, stage, and and relationship to what that word means, you can reach the gamut in terms of what Mm -hmm. you see. Mm -hmm. And it it reminds
3: me, too, that in all the things that we do, it's that... um, communication and level of understanding based on what the experience is so it was just kind of a great reminder for me that to make sure that I do give an example and not just use the words because it they do mean something very different and I think that's one of the reasons Absolutely. we end up with challenges in business because we all interpret it based on our experiences and what we know
4: Absolutely. And that's all we can do. You know, every mm-hmm. interpretation is, is perceived based on our own previous experiences. So yeah, so it's, it's nice to be able to give examples as opposed to the word because the word could be loaded and mean different things to different people. So yeah, yeah.
3: Absolutely. We need to take a real quick break. But when we come back, I want to continue the conversation. This is Janelle McCauley and you're listening to Turn Knowledge to Profit.
0: creating the right products for you, your clients, and your business. The potential is limitless. If you want to leverage your time so you can earn more while working less, visit us today at turnknowledgetoprofit.com and find out just how far your knowledge can take you. You're listening to Janelle McCauley on the EWN Radio Network. Welcome back.
3: This is Janelle McCauley, and you're listening to Turn Knowledge to Profit. Today in our success interview, we're talking with Dr. Carol Parker Walsh, and it's been a really interesting conversation. If you missed the first half, you need to go back and listen to it. Her company, Evolve Image Consulting, helps bring women on the brink of change helps them move to the next level by really taking hold of their authentic essence and who they are. Before the break, we were talking about confidence. We were talking about showing up. And really, I have a whole different perspective on um, what you do, Carol. So it was really interesting. I'd love to to start the second half of our conversation and asking you a question, um, if you could just talk for a minute about what is the key difference between women of influence and everyone else? How do they show up differently?
4: Oh, that's a great question. You know, I personally think that the you know, we talked earlier about, you know, vernacular using certain words and what they mean for people. And I think as women, you know, all women are women of influence. You know, whether you're influencing in your home, with your children, with your um, spouse, in your family, or whether you're influencing people in the boardroom or amongst your clients in a business meeting, you know, so I think women have a tremendous amount of influence in a variety of ways. Mm-hmm. But I think um, there's a sense, you know, when I think about it in a more professional sense, in a more professional setting, for me, is someone who has um, a strong sense of self and purpose, right? You know, when we don't, when well, we're not grounded in knowing what it is that we're here to do, what we're capable of accomplishing, and and what our passion and purpose is in life, we tend to not stand firm. We, and, and our messaging tends to be a little bit diluted. Um, how we show up and appear seems a little bit unstable and people have a challenge really accepting or taking in what it is that you have to share. You know, it really is that, that impression that we give and you know, it's, it's how people are responding to that. And so women of influence really, you know, it's not that they have, um, that they're arrogant or they've even accomplished a tremendous amount of things in life. It's just that if you have the sense of confidence and the sense of purpose, That is very clear. It comes very forward in how they move and operate in life. There's no need for competition. There's no need for uh, a competitiveness or an arrogance. There's no need to proclaim everything that you have done and accomplished, which I think is a very, um, it's a different kind of mindset. I think we live in a in, in the society that we live in. It's all about look what I've done, look what I've done. But I think a person of influence doesn't really have to proclaim that. It's just how they move in the space. People stop and want to engage with them. It's just an energy that they put out there that makes people want to stop and listen to what they have to say and to take that in and to follow suit.
3: That's really interesting because I'm thinking of a couple people that I know. And, you know, sometimes you get people that really feel like they have to let everyone know what they've done But what Mm -hmm. I've learned is, and I had not heard it it articulated um, quite as eloquently as you just did, but I think that if you do the right things for the right reason, the right people will notice. You don't have Mm -hmm. to tell everyone. And I think oftentimes we're afraid that if we don't tell people or we don't broadcast it, that it's going to get missed. And what I've learned, um, age and stage has a lot of um, benefits in that regard, is that your results and what you're doing speak so much louder than the words you tell someone about what you're doing.
4: Yes. I absolutely agree with you. It's it's a really fine line because this 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 idea of being able to self-promote is a challenge for most women. You know, because it does feel like you're boasting and bragging. And it's a different thing to share, you know, happily things that occur mm-hmm. And bragging and telling everyone, this is how fabulous I am. It's a really fine line that people don't know how to walk. And I think you're right when you, you know, I heard the saying a long time ago that I hold very dear to uh, myself and I tell it to my children and it's really a principle that I live by, that if you ever want to see what something crooked looks like, all you have to do is lay something straight next to it. So in a sense, if you really, if you just, like you said, do your thing, If you are walking in in your purpose and in your passion and you're doing it outrightly, with integrity, in a trustworthy manner and authentically, people will notice. You know, people will take notice because what you're doing just seems so different than Mm -hmm. the other things that they've seen in the world. And so really, you you don't have to... get the bullhorn out and say how amazing you are. You just have to be. But really moving in that space of, of confidence is, and I think we all are here for a, a purpose and I think when you know that and what you do is in fulfillment of that, then you're right, things come your way.
3: No, I, I absolutely agree and I think that I really do think um, that the statement of your actions speaks so much louder than yep. your actual um, words do. It's I've really learned to to look at people and to really um, pay close attention. and I think people are often shocked because they just expect the people that are talking the loudest to get the most attention, but it's often those ones in the 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 quiet ones that are actually making the biggest difference. and if you really take a step back and pay attention, you can learn a lot. hmm
4: I agree. I absolutely agree.
3: So so tell me, because one of the things that we really love to um, to share and with, with Turn Knowledge to Profit that we really like to focus on is how have you grown your business? Because you talked about working with the, the individual, but how have you grown your business to leverage what you do to have a bigger impact, or what do you have in place to kind of kind of your goals to to move forward, to really expand uh, your reach and and how you can serve?
4: Yeah. Well, you know, the first thing that I learned really quickly was that I needed to really get clear on what I was good at, right, you know, and to really stay in that lane. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, um, I think initially I was trying to be everything to everyone, you know, I know mm-hmm. a little bit of that, I know a little bit of that, and so I was structuring my business as um, kind of like people would walk into a restaurant and pick something off the venue, mm-hmm. and um, and so, you know, yes, I can, I can make, you know, um, um, I can make steaks, and I can make chicken, and, and I can do a vegetarian dish, and yeah, I can do those things, but is that really the way I want to work, and am I exhausting myself trying to keep abreast of all of these different recipes as opposed to saying, you know, this is the one meal I make exceptionally well, and mm-hmm. that's what I'm going to put on the menu, and you either choose to or you don't. So um, what helped me was going away from having people have all these new menu of things that they can, of services that they can hire me for, and really having a program. So developing, mm-hmm. you know, really what are the signature uh, What's my signature program? What are the steps that I know that I need to take people through to get the results that they need to have? Mm-hmm. Um, that's what I do. So I always tell people I'm a one-trick pony. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, you know, <laughs> if you if you, you want to work with me, I have a process that I know that works, and that's the process that we're going to work. So really creating a signature program mm-hmm. saved me a tremendous amount of mental anguish and trying to be everything for everyone. So it allowed mm-hmm. me to not only hone my um, my practice, but also to... Um, be able to, sh- to see the results, share the value and worth, and, and actually you know, price, my, price my services differently because of that, mm-hmm. um, because I, I know what I bring to the table. The next thing that I developed and what I'm working on even more, my, the next stage of that, I developed a program um, to mm-hmm. allow people to be able to work with more than one person at a time, right, because we only have so many hours in the day. Mm-hmm. So by bringing people through a program, you know, groups of people through that, I'm able to reach more and teach more. Uh, Mm -hmm. by doing it that way. And that's been amazing. My next iteration where I'm going to, um, I've done a couple of beta testing on this. I've done a few retreats and they've been phenomenally received. And it shows me that that that's the next level for me. And I think I can do some really good work by bringing people together for, instead of of just one day, maybe over a couple of days to Mm -hmm. really do some significant work with them to really show the connection Uh, between, you know, how we show up both inside and outside and how to um, create experiences for people so they can then take that information and leverage that in their business and in their life. So for me, that's the next stage. But I'm finding that as I go through, the best possible thing to do, particularly when you are you know, an entrepreneur with, you know, one or two people that you on staff that you may be working with as a small business owner, that the more people that you can reach, the the more actually freedom you actually get Mm -hmm. for yourself for that work-life family balance, but also in terms of the impact that you can have on the amount of people that you work with. So, for me, that's been the progression and what I would highly recommend to (laughs) anyone who is in a service-based business. Well, and
3: I love that. And you did exactly what we recommend. You got really good on your what you offer. You got really good on your process, and then you so then you can really turn it into a program and expand your reach. And that also gives you the opportunity to really, um, you know, leverage your time and make more money because your one-on-one is much more at a premium, which it should be because it's a real unique knowledge. Uh, and you're talking about kind of your focus because lack of focus is really, I think, the number one enemy of an entrepreneur because we're all over the place. And a lot of people are afraid yeah. that if they narrow down their focus too much that they're gonna be, um, their, their market is going to be too narrow. But what we find is the, the na- more narrow it is... Actually, the clearer it can be. And we go through the same thing. We can offer a lot of different services and a lot of different things we can do, but we've chosen to be very specific as, you know, the premier provider of done for you, you know, training and program services, because that's what we do really well, and that's what we love doing, and there are yeah. a lot of other people that do the other pieces, so we don't need to do them. I think people are, think they have to do everything, and then they dilute their value because they're not spending it really working in their zone of genius.
4: Absolutely. I 100% agree with that. And, you know, when you're trained as an image consultant, um, you know, I went through a program and certifications and even do advanced training on it. Um, I actually have the pleasure and opportunity to often um, do workshops and trainings for new image consultants um, who are in the industry around really honing their business. And it's definitely one of the things that I share because we're trained on, appearance, behavior, communication, how you show up in the digital space and, and every iteration underneath that, it's mm-hmm. really easy to get to get lost in that and not really find where your wheelhouse is, what's your, what's your mm-hmm. genius, as you said, of expertise and to hone into that. And I think, as you said, with anybody who's new, you want to please everybody and you end up not pleasing anyone, including yourself, mm-hmm. primarily yourself, you know, when you do that. And I found that pretty quickly, probably the first... Six months of my business, I was like, oh no, I can't do this. Too
3: wow. Much. <laughs> I, I, I love that. And I, I just, I, this has been a really fascinating conversation, um, much more than than I had anticipated. So, how <laughs> can our listeners learn more about you and connect with you?
4: Well, the primary, primary place that you can go to is my website, which is evolvingyourimage.com. And you can learn more about me. You can learn more about my services. I even have what I call a learning annex on there. And so I have um, information for um, e-books and materials and things that I created uh, to be of help and service to um, business owners and entrepreneurs and, and, and coaches and the like um, that I think will be helpful. And I also have um, a couple of books that are available on Amazon as well that really, they're really short reads, they're, they're mm-hmm. quick reads, they're not long, drawn out books, but it, it just gives my kind of philosophical belief and stand around what it means to develop your authentic image and what it means to do that and how it speaks to not only yourself but to those around you. Um, but the primary place where you can find out pretty much all of that, you know, my blog and everything is through my website.
3: Perfect, thank you. And we will put a link to your website on our Turn Knowledge to Profit podcast page so they'll be able to connect with you too. So thank you. And as yeah. we end, end our time together, can you give our listeners just one piece of advice that they can implement immediately that will help them build and grow their business?
4: You know, I... Because I'm a huge advocate of really honing in and getting to know the foundation of you, I think the best thing you can do is to take an inventory of yourself and really writing out your values, what you believe in, what you want to accomplish, how you want to service your clients, what do you want to be known as, um, how you want to be um what what kind of life you want to live, what it means to be your best version of who you are. And Mm -hmm. really just to write all of that out. Just 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 brain dump and take a sheet of paper and just put it all on paper and look at it. And really try to gather and group those things that really speak to um, you know, really who you are because that is the foundation and the basis of everything. It'll tell you the type of business you want to run. It'll tell you the type of customers you want to service. It'll tell you the type of way you want to service your customers, it'll talk about your lifestyle and what it is that you're passionate about. I think all of those things really are foundational and keys to really set your intention in both life and business and to really be able to move forward in a more meaningful and thoughtful and mindful way.
3: Very nice. I love that. Thank you so much for your time today and for so generously sharing.
4: Yeah, you're welcome, and thank you so much for having me. It is my absolute honor and pleasure.
3: Thank you. We need to take another real quick break, and when we come back, it's our business builder. Stay tuned. This is Janelle McCauley, and you're listening to Turn Knowledge to Profit.
0: If you want to leverage your time so you can earn more while working less, visit us today at TurnKnowledgeToProfit.com and find out just how far your knowledge can take you. You're listening to Janelle McCauley on the EWN Radio Network.
2: Welcome back. This is Michael McCauley, and you're listening to Turn Knowledge to Profit. I'm here with Janelle, and in our Business Builder segment today, We're going to talk about understanding what your ideal client really wants.
1: I think this is going to be a great conversation because I hear this all the time in networking and from new business owners. They're trying to figure out what their ideal client wants. So why do you think that's important for people to start with that before they develop products, Michael?
2: Well, it's incredibly important to understand who first who your ideal client is and what they want Um, any product that you develop no matter how simple it is is still going to take time and money to create and you want to make sure that you use your time and your money in the most effective way possible so you want to make sure that you're creating something that people will want to buy but more than just want that they're going to pay money for and pay good money for
1: So how do you figure out what people really want?
2: Well, I know that you and I have talked about it a lot. It really is always comes back to really staying in touch with your clients and your prospective clients. And that means one-on-one coaching. Um, First, it's really important to, I think, always start with one-on-one coaching. That's really where a business starts because that really gets you in touch with those clients, very intimately involved with their needs, their wants and really, really gives you a foundation from which you can then build products. It also helps you um, to see what parts of your client's interactions can be automated. What we always tell people when they come and work with us is, uh, for one of the first questions I ask them is, what parts of your process can be automated? What parts can be put into an ebook? What parts can be put into a recording? What parts could be put into a workbook, You know, et cetera? and those are the pieces that you do the same or virtually the same each time you interact with a client and so if you don't interact with clients it's going to be hard for you to figure out what those parts are you know working with clients one-on-one also really helps you clearly see who your ideal clients are because you're going to work with some people that um, may not be the best fit for you you'll do a great job for them you'll give them value. But when you're finished on reflection, you'll say that wasn't a real satisfying experience for you. And so those may not be your ideal clients. You really want to pick and choose who those people are so that you can develop products that are focused right at them and really get to the core of what drives them and what drives you and your business.
1: I mean, I think it is really important to have those client interactions because I know and I listen to you with conversations and I've also had numerous conversations when I ask people about what do they think can be automated and what parts do they think are reproducible. And what everyone says is, it all takes my time. It's all You know, one on one and customized, yet when you really dig into it, and that's the beauty of working with an expert, they can help you go through a process to identify what are you doing over and over again. Because I know when I was coaching clients one on one, you could almost get to the point where you could just push a button and says response one, response six, response eight, because you're answering the same questions over and over again. And that's one of the things about doing it and repeating the process, which I think is so important.
2: Yeah, absolutely. In fact, I'm working with a a partner right now and she was, we were talking about this very topic and she was relating a story about um, when she was at a networking event recently and she was talking to a potential client and she asked that person who is your ideal client and the person said well i can really work with anybody so basically she's saying anybody who's breathing is is my client and the next thing that she asked this person was so are you making the money that you think you should be and they said well no and then she asked are you working too many hours well yeah i am yeah and that's the reason that you want to know who your ideal client is because if you're really basically working for anybody who will pay you you're going to be working a lot of hours you're going to be spending a lot of cycles on those people and you're not going to be satisfied at the end of the day and you're not going to be making the money that you really deserve to make so um you know another person we worked with another partner we worked with had a really great way of saying it is that you want to find out who those ideal clients are So you want to have languaging and you want to talk to them so that you attract those ideal clients, but almost as important that you repel those people that aren't ideal clients that you don't want to work with. You want them to self-select out so that you can have the people that really, really get value from what you offer and really like to work with you and those people you like to work with as well.
1: No, I absolutely agree. And I think the thing about knowing who your ideal client is and who you're passionate about really helps you when you're networking, because when you're talking about who you, your ideal client is, who you want to work with to people in your networking circle, the more specific you are, the more they can think about and identify who they might know that you can work with. If you're very generic and trying to fit that anyone who's breathing philosophy, When you tell me who that is, I'm not going to be able to say, that's Mary, that's Kathy, that's Joan. But if you're real specific, I'm going to be able to say, oh, I know exactly who to introduce you to and who to connect you to. And that's really important because networking is a very strategic part of building our businesses. And I know you agree with that.
2: Absolutely. You know, I think networking, like you, I think it's just as important as that one-on-one coaching and it works in a number of different ways, like you just talked about, but also you can have it work uh, as a way to try out new product ideas. So once you're, not I wouldn't try this the first time you go to a networking event, but once you've been to a networking event a few times, you've met some people, you have your tribe, you see some people that you connect with, then you can start to try out new ideas. You can go to those events and not think about them in terms of how many people I'm gonna give my business card to, but really, how can I get feedback on some product ideas that I have? So you may go back to folks that you've met before and say something like, hey, I'm thinking about creating this new product. What are your thoughts on that? Or uh, I'm thinking about putting this knowledge into a an ebook or into a workbook or into an, an online course. Is that something that might appeal to you? and start to get feedback on not just, are they good prospects as clients, but are the products you're thinking about developing, are those a good use of your time? Will they sell in the market? I think that's important as well.
1: No, I agree. And I think that for those of you that are involved with eWomen Network, I think the wisdom circles are a great way to do that. And also the online eWomen Network community because you can put out there here's what I'm working on, here's what my idea is, and really get feedback from other business owners that know you and also have clients who might be able to use your products and services and maybe form a strategic partnership with.
2: Absolutely. Strategic partnerships, that's another way to use networking. So again, not thinking about sell, 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 which is the way some people go to networking events, but think about who are the folks that you might be able to work with. I I know that I've gone to some eWomen network events and met just so many people that have great businesses that our business would be a great add on for. And in fact, we've partnered with a couple of those folks where they do one aspect of uh, helping a person with their business, and now they've added our content creation to their part and created a package, which is much, much more powerful than either of our parts alone. So, you know, again, networking, uh, not only to identify your ideal client so important there but also to look for partners to look for, to try out product ideas to really start to look at your entire business and how you might be able to leverage that. So I think you know both one-on-one coaching and networking what do they have in common they really are all about getting out and working with people one-on-one, be it in a conversation or an actual client-consultant relationship, you've got to work with people one-on-one and get out of your office, get out in the world, and really see what resonates with people, what doesn't resonate with people, what confuses them, um, how they can better use your services, what they're missing, all those questions that really focus around your ideal client.
1: No, that's really important to understand who your ideal client is. And I would love to ask our listeners to go to our Turn Knowledge to Profit Facebook page. And under today's episode, share who your ideal client is, because we've got a number of listeners who probably know people that would be interested in potentially learning more about what you do and can also give you some great feedback on who your ideal client is, making sure it's really clear. Often to us, we think it's clear, but it's not clear to others. So go to Turn Knowledge to Profit on Facebook and then share what your challenges are and what's working well.
2: Thanks. You know, this has really been a great conversation. I want to thank all of you for joining us today on Turn Knowledge to Profit. Again, I want to remind you to visit our Turn Knowledge to Profit page on Facebook and share your questions, your insights, and your ahas. And also share one action you're going to take in the next week to turn your knowledge into profit. If you have an idea for a future show, be sure to email me at michael at tk2p.com. That's michael at tk2p.com. Have a wonderful and profitable week.